Hey everybody, it's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Matt is Getting to Know Podcast. Today I'm joined by my old buddy and Getting to Know Podcast veteran, Olivier Lavaud, who runs our release liners business. Olivier, thanks for joining us today on the Getting to Know Podcast. Hi everyone. Hi Mike. Thanks for thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has been a while. So appreciate again you taking time with us. Let's start here. You lead the release liners business for Madiv. Previously, you led the release liners business for Nina, but that was only for about a year before we became Madiv. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We got acquired by Nina in uh, I think April of 2021 until the merger. So just just a little over a year between Nina and Madiv. So prior to Nina coming along, you guys were privately held. Is that right? Yes, prior to uh, Nina, we were actually we were a family-owned company from 1974 until 2016, and then private equity-owned for four years prior to uh, joining uh, Nina. And how long have you been with the business in some capacity? Well, I've been not in this capacity, but I've been with Itasa for ten years, just a few days ago. So my ten-year anniversary. Happy anniversary! Yeah, thank you very much. So it's been a while. So first leading sales and then uh, moving into uh, more of a general management role with, with a private equity and in my current BU president role with Madiv. So for the listening audience, how would you describe the release liner business and where you guys play and who your customers are? I would describe it as sort of a niche type business. It's a global business. It's growing uh, year on year nicely. It's uh, very diverse. Release liners are used in a lot of everyday products. They're used in labels, in self-adhesive tapes. They're used to manufacture industrial goods, but they're also used to manufacture unexpected things. For example, release liners are used to manufacture pieces of airplanes, composite materials. So it's really fascinating. It's a diverse business. It's global. It's growing. It's dynamic. It's constantly changing. So it's nice, and it gives us a lot of... Uh, a lot of opportunities to explore new businesses and, uh, and, and also a lot of overlapping with Madiv with other business units and a lot of opportunities to, to grow in areas that we're strong in in other uh, business units. So nice, nice little business. So it's been a whirlwind for the release liner business. If you go back really the last decade since you joined, I don't know if those two things are related, Olivier, but since you joined to go from family owned to PE backed to Nina then to Madiv. What what's that experience been like for your employee base? I think it's been very different for a small number of people and it's been less different for I would say for the for the larger base. Our our biggest uh, production site is here in uh, in Spain. So for the for most of the uh, hourly workers, you know, the production floor people, the change hasn't really been felt until we changed from uh, from family to private equity, and since then it hasn't really been much of a change. Of course, for people in the office, for management, that's been a big a big change, but a real positive one because we've been the only constant is uh, we've changed ownership, but we kept growing. We're growing in a different way, but our, our plan has remained uh, steady. The execution is still good. Uh, we have adapted to a new environment. We've also uh, used that opportunity to, to keep improving the team. We have a great nucleus of, of people that have been on board uh, in terms of management since 2016. We're a very uh, strong, united team. So the, really, that change process has made us uh, even stronger and created even bigger bond between us. 
and for the uh, for the rest of the people, we're we're most of them, I would say, embrace uh, change. And what they like with the with the last change with Madev is is uh, the feeling that Madev is really in this business for the long run, uh, and that we have a steady situation going forward and a good growth plan. So uh, I would say most of the change has been has been positive. Great. You mentioned the team, Olivier, and at the risk of complimenting you to your face, having been involved in a lot of different both acquisition and divestiture activities through the years, my experience with the leadership team that you've built and the people that you've surrounded yourself with is that you've got as strong a team in your space as as I've seen. So what what are the secrets to your success as the architect of a team truly built for growth? What? Uh, I'm not sure if there's one recipe. I think it's uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, with chemistry. So some of it is something that you engineer and that you uh, obtain, and and some of it is just uh, uh, just pure luck. So um, I think it's a bit of both. We have a great team. We we are, are really uh, empathetic. We listen to each other. We respect each other. Most of us come from different environments. We've had other experiences. We've worked for different companies in the past. I don't know. It just uh, it, it it turns out to be uh, to be a great team. We really get along and uh, we really uh, support each other. So I'm not sure if there's if there's a recipe for that. For sure, the only thing I can say is I'm I'm very happy and proud to lead that team. They're great. They really are doing a good job on a daily basis, and they're they're super committed. So I, I don't know of uh, any any other team that I would like to uh, work with more than this one. So, and I, I think perhaps that's the, that's the recipe is that we truly care for each other in good days and good times and bad times. So that's, uh, I guess that's what makes, uh, makes it work. Well, there've been a lot of good times, as you noted, you guys have consistently grown and that's included an expansion outside of the, the facility that you have in Spain in the last couple of years, right? Yes. We started the Mexico operation in 2019. So we, we see it as our as our baby. It's the first time that we had a you know we uh, we created a green field as Itasa, so first green field in our in our history. And our baby is growing. It's it's growing fast. It's it's going in to some extent uh, or in some aspects it's going too fast. So we have to we have to manage that. But yes, that was uh, that was the first green field experience. It's been great so far, and we have uh, we have another. A big challenge going forward with a new machine starting up in June of next year. Madev, Nina, in fact, Julie has been very supportive of this since day one, and it's uh, it's been great. And uh, can't wait to see that new machine start up and us growing even uh, even more in North America. That's great. So, Olivier, a lot of times on the Getting to Know podcast, I will make a comment that, hey, I don't expect that you wanted to grow up to be X. Like, what did you want to grow up? Uh, to be like as a young boy, what were your aspirations? There's a caveat to yours because I've gotten to know you a little bit. And my understanding is your dad is kind of a legend in the materials, you know, material space. Is this something that you wanted to do your entire life or were your dreams going to take you down a different path originally? Well, actually, my, I, t- I tend to be cautious with the, with the interviews because in the last one, I sort of, you know, 
I said something about Brad Pitt and that spread like wildfire. So, well, the last time was <laughs> an audio and visual experience. Yeah, know, so you noted how much you looked like Brad Pitt. It was obvious to the audience. And, you know, this one is, is merely an audio experience. So people will have to go, you know, Google you or go to madab.com to check that out. No, my, my dream as a, as a kid was to, uh, to be a professional athlete. So that's another one, Mike, that's going to stick. So I wanted to be a soccer player. That was my, that was my dream when I was very little. Uh, more seriously, growing up, in fact, I didn't spend as much time with my dad as I probably uh, would have liked to. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was when I was young, but my dad was always my role model, and I always thought, you know, he's working too hard. It's uh, it's uh, you know what he does seems really important, but it, it it looks like a like a difficult life. So that's when I was very young. So I always thought, in fact, I don't want to do what he's doing. And then when I sort of, you know, started to study and went into, uh, went into business, then it sort of became a natural thing. I started to uh, do an internship in a, in a paper company. And then uh, that's where I ended up, I guess. And I was, I was heavily influenced by, uh, by him, N- not, not so much by the industry that he was working for, but, but more by his style, his leadership and, uh, I guess he's always been my, my role model and, uh, I, I, Still to this day, I try to listen to his advice all the time. I used to work for him at some point in my in my career. He's always been extremely supportive. He's always been very tough. And yes, he is he is seen as a, a as someone who has influence and, and a lot of knowledge in this industry. And in fact, Itasa is uh, using that uh, that expertise. He helps us especially on the procurement side. He has a lot of connections in the paper industry, so it's been a very helpful asset for for us in the last few years in in advising us uh, on on what to do and what not to do so he's he's been very helpful and as his son I'm very happy about the, about this and 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 proud to see that he's regarded in this industry as someone who uh, someone who's valuable that's great so going back to those early days you were um, starting to look like a young Brad Pitt with aspirations for being a professional football or soccer player born in france you now work in spain married to an american woman but your path has gone a lot of different physical places right yes talk to us about that well i I sort of realized early on that i would not be a soccer player so then i went to the next uh, to the next dream so no, for some reason when I was growing up, I always thought, uh, you know, I'd, I'd want to spend some time in the U.S. I, I, no particular reason. I, it's something that I've always wanted to do. So uh, I spent a few summers in uh, in the U.S. My first job was in the U.S. So it was sort of a natural thing. It was always a goal, something that I wanted to do. And uh, I ended up meeting my my wife. And you know, by uh, we I had the opportunity. We had the opportunity to spend some time in Australia, which was which was absolutely wonderful. We were thinking maybe we should spend some some years in uh, in Asia. It turned out that we had an opportunity to come back to Europe, and so yeah, it, we we went to uh, lots of different places. And but we've now settled here in this part of the world now for for a while, which is a uh, a wonderful part of the world. In fact, my wife has now spent more time outside the U.S., so she now calls France home, which for her probably 25 years ago would have been a really uh, impossible thing to do. She now has a French passport, so it's uh, yeah. It, that's also been quite a quite a journey. A journey is not over, you know. Uh, we we may end up in a different place, uh, you know, a year from now or five years from now. But for now, we're happily uh, 
established here in the south of Spain. It's it's a beautiful region. So if I recall correctly, you met your wife, Michelle, in Boston. You also spent time in San Diego. Yes. She largely grew up in Hawaii, and her parents live outside of Orlando. Is that right? That's absolutely right. She, she, she got a lot, uh, she of, was, lot of connections. Yes, sir. She was born in South Korea and then uh, grew up in Hawaii in an army base, and then from there to Virginia and from Virginia to Florida. And But then she went to... Uh, she went to college in, in Boston, Bentley College in Boston, and uh, I was working for Alstrom at the time, and that's where we met. Boston, beautiful, uh, my favorite place in the U.S. It's a great place. I'm a big fan also. So what do you and your lovely bride, Michelle, do for fun when you're not running a release line or business? We tend to really uh, spend time as a, as a family. We have two young boys, so 9 and 13, so... Um, they keep us busy, busy over the weekends, and 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 really our weekends are you know surrounding uh, ourselves with 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 our boys, following them with their sports activities, baseball among other things, not at the level that is played in the U.S. Mike, but still you know we we follow them with baseball, tennis, golf, so we do that. That really keeps us busy. Uh, uh, my wife uh, spends a lot of time at church on on Sundays, and I I, I play a little sports. And that's our little routine for the for the weekends. That's pretty much how we spend time. And then uh, when we have an opportunity, we uh, we like to travel and go and spend some time with her parents in the U.S. As much as you've traveled, what would you say is your f- very favorite place to go for? It? Let's say it's you, Michelle, and and your two boys for you know a couple weeks. Where where would you choose? I don't think there's one favorite place to be honest, Mike. I think there's uh, it's for us. It's more, in fact, we we like to to uh, go to different places all the time. So, um, I mean, for instance, we spent last Christmas in New York, which is you know a lot of people go to New York. Uh, we had been to New York, but we had never been to New York with our sons, and that was an amazing experience. Now we've done that. I mean, Christmas in New York, beautiful. But the, the next time we do it, we, we'd like to do something different. So in actually in April, we're going to spend two weeks in South Africa with our two boys. Uh, we're going to go on a safari, and uh, my father is actually uh, spending some time there. So that's the next thing we're, we're going to do. I, I don't, you know, there's a lot, there's so many different nice places that I, I can't really say that there's one particular place uh, where we want to go all the time. I think it's more about exploring new, new nice places all the time. That's great. There's typically a slight delay between the time of recording the Getting to Know podcast and when this will actually air. So I hope that this is um, not too untimely by the time this airs, but I, I can't help but ask, what's the mood and the, the feel right now where you are given the World Cup you know, just kind of kicking off? And, and by the time this airs, probably well underway. Well, I have a little bit of both here. You're, you're, you're talking about soccer World Cup, right? I am. I work in Spain. I'm surrounded by by Spanish people, uh, but as you know, I'm I'm French and I support the French team. So, uh, first of all, it's a little bit weird. It's the first time we have a we have a soccer World Cup during our winter. So that's uh, that's a bit strange. Uh, usually, uh, World Cup for us means you're at a terrace at a bar, uh, having a few drinks with a few friends. Uh, and it's sunny outside, so it's a bit of a strange feeling. And so we don't we don't have any fan zones. It's uh, so it's it's a little quiet to be uh, to be honest. But I take comfort in the fact that France is going to win it all. So um, <laughs> you know, for me, it's it, you know it's all that matters. 
So how about how about France USA in the final? That'd be uh, that'd be fun. Oh, look, well, by the time this airs, you'll either look like a genius or an absolute <laughs> fool. Uh, so, and I'm fine with either one, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I was I was intrigued because a little bit of time I've spent with you and your team. There's a decent amount of shit talking going on soccer wise, even absent the World Cup going on. So I was I was curious about that. No, we, we, we are obviously we're talking about it. I mean, it's it's the end of the first round so far. So we're, we're talking about it as it progresses and we're going to the next games. There's going to be a little bit more, you know, that trash talking that you're referring to going on for for sure. So there's four French people here. We're a minority among a lot of Spanish people. So uh, in case there's a France Spain game, that's going to be a, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. How long is your commute each day? Uh, it's uh, 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic. Yeah, not so bad. What's the very best part of your job at this stage in your growth and, and, and development as an organization? Besides the leadership part I was mentioning before and, the, and the, you know, the, the, the concept and the idea that you know, it's, it's about leading a business, but it's also about leading people helping people to grow and realize themselves and uh, achieve their goals. That's probably the, the part of my role that I enjoy the most. And also I come from a sales background so and business background. So I, I really enjoy spending time with, with customers that I really like. So as you know, we've, we've gone through a lot of turmoil in the last two years and business has been disrupted in, in many different ways. What I do like about this period now is we're sort of coming back to what it was like before COVID in 2019, where the only way to get business is not because your competitor cannot serve customer. It's, it's because you need to be better than the others. So I like that part. I like the part that we need to deserve uh, the business, we need to be better than the others, whether it's service, price, quality, innovative products, whatever it is. That's what I like about this this uh, this period. So I would say two things. The leadership part, people leadership, uh, I really enjoy. And managing a business that grows and, and having interaction with customers and convincing them that we're better than the others, that I really enjoy as well. I like that. I like the competitiveness that, that comes with that. What would you say would be your advice to a younger version of you? If you could go back and shake that, you know, 22, 23-year-old hanging out at Allstrom in Boston or San Diego or something like that and, and impart something on him, what, what would it be? Well, tough question. The first way I understand the question is what would I do anything different? And I'm not sure I would do a lot of things differently. So what I would tell him is, you know, when when you see an opportunity, seize it. It's better to be uh, curious and, and willing to take a risk rather than uh, dwell on the potential bad choice. So I never really thought for too long uh, when I had an opportunity. Uh, always try to follow my instinct. And, um, you know, it's, it's worked out. It led me to where I am today and I'm happy where I am today. So, um, and, and probably I am in a place today that I, to some extent, what I was telling you before with the uh, answer on my, around my father, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really have a career plan. I didn't think, you know, one day I want to manage a, a big business, a big global business or anything like that. So I just, I followed my instinct all along. And probably what I would tell that 22 or 23 year old is follow your instinct and do what you think is right. And uh, by all means, uh, take risks and uh, don't be afraid. 
It's good advice, Olivia. At the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we ask our guests three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those now, Olivia. First of which is, what is always in your family's refrigerator at all times, no matter where you are? Okay. So last time I gave you my personal answer, which was a bit selfish, and I said cheese. But I'll give you my family answer. So what's always in our fridge is kimchi. Ah. That's, you know, Korean cabbage. It can ruin your fridge if you leave it, if you leave the Tupperware open for too long. You can buy another fridge, but uh, there's always kimchi in our fridge. Have you acquired the taste for kimchi, or is that Michelle and the boys? No, I mean, no, I've I've acquired it. I mean, uh, of course, when I when I met my wife, she uh, I I had never had kimchi before, so she's the one who was taking me to uh, actually a few Korean restaurants in in Chinatown, Boston, uh, Mike. So uh, and then I started to uh, I tasted kimchi and I liked it the first time. So. Does she make it, or do you make it, or do you buy it, or some version of all of those? Thank, thank God, uh, Mike. I don't make it. Okay. In fact, I don't make anything. So it's uh, <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law makes it. Okay. Got uh, it. My wife doesn't, but my mother-in-law does, and uh, she's doing an amazing job at it. Got it. Second question for you, Olivier. Amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? Uh, well, unfortunately for my my wife, I'm I'm famous for shopping. I'm famous for for shopping, and in particular, shopping for shoes. So I have a ridiculous amount of shoes at home. Unfortunately, I'm famous for that. In in addition to being a bad packer as well, so and that you know as well. So for those of you who haven't had the opportunity to travel yet with Olivier, it does require a van. To get his various shoes, and I, I just assumed it was always just all of those shoes that you were packing for a, for a short trip. It might actually also be the fact that you're not an efficient packer. I, I hadn't realized that until you disclosed that on the Getting to Know podcast. Here, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that's uh, that's part of the reason, Mike. Yeah, gotcha. All right, last question for you, Olivier. What would you say you're most looking forward to right this very moment? Um. Really looking forward to 2023 uh, starting. 2022 has been disruptive in many ways, again, good and bad. And I'm looking forward to 2023 because we have a, a lot of challenges, but I have a lot of expectations for uh, for this new year. So there's a lot of plans that have been designed, and now it, uh, you know it's all about executing those plans. So uh, on the professional side, I'm looking for, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Now, on the personal side, honestly, Mike, I'm just looking forward to uh, spending as much time as possible with my my two boys and my wife. Uh, my two boys are growing fast, and uh, time with them at their age is is really precious. So I'm I'm also looking forward to uh, spending as much time with them as uh, as possible because they're they're the love of my life. So uh, I really want to spend uh, as much time with them as uh, as possible in 2023 as well. Good for you. Well, Olivier, we're going to let you go, get back to, to growing that business of yours. Um, for those of you in the listening audience, I, I hope you enjoyed getting to know Olivier a little bit, learning a little bit about the Release Liners business. It's a business that we're really excited about. It's a very profitable and investable business, and Olivier and his team doing a great job on making things happen there on behalf of a larger matter. So, Olivier, thanks for all that you're doing there, and thanks for taking time out of your schedule to spend with us here on the Getting to Know podcast. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Mike. You bet. For those of you in the listening audience, we will talk to you again in two more weeks. 